for those of you who actually made a New Year's resolution, who's actually sticking with it? Just a couple, right? It is crazy that people who make New Year's resolutions, there's studies that actually show only 9% of those people actually follow through to the end of the year. 9%. And normally, people who make resolutions, they are done with them by the end of January. So it's January 28th today. So those that are still, they, they are going strong. I'm still going strong. Um, I, I think we're doing pretty, pretty good. Um, but I, I do New Year's resolutions. I kind of hate that phrase. I hate the word. But I do make goals. I'm big on goal setting. I, I have a word for the year. And, and this drives drives my family crazy. And, and more specifically, this drives my husband crazy. Um, because at the beginning of every year, I know what my goal is. I know what my, my word of the year is. And I'm, and I'm bothering him because I want him to do the same. So it's like January 2nd. I'm like, have you thought of your goals? What do you want to do different? How do you want to change? How do you want to be better? Do you need help with your goals? I can help you with your word and, and all the things. And, and he just is like, just stop. And I think last year he, he gave me a word that was his word for the year just to get me off his back. So I wrote his word down and I put it on his bathroom mirror. And I, I promise, I do think he looks at it every single day. Um, but I love this time of year because that I, I hate this time of year because it is cold. It's dark. Um, our kids have hardly been in school. Can I get an, a, not an amen? Uh, but this is like the Christmas season that, that keeps on giving, but it's been a rough time of year. But I also love this time of year because to me, it represents a fresh start. It represents new beginnings and, and that we can kind of say, you know, this is what I want to do different this year. So for me personally, I like to take a self audit. So I like to look at my previous year and think, okay, how can I do better? How can I be different? How can I make changes? And I hate the phrase new year, new me, because it's still the same us. The, the clock doesn't strike 12 and we're a brand new person. We're still the same person, but I do think we can evolve and grow and get better in areas of our life. So, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I listen to a lot of sermons and pastors. Um, and I also listen to a lot of motivational speakers. One person I, I love listening to, he's a well-known name. His name is Ed Milet. Um, I really love listening to his podcast. He, he motivates me a lot, but he always says this. Okay, if there's a person that you want to be, or there's a person or a type of person that you strive to be, then, then hang out with that type of person. So let me get you, give you a few examples here this morning. So if you want to be rich, say you want to be a wealthy person in life. Well, he says, then hang out with people who are wealthy and really study what they do. So how do they spend their money? How do they not spend their money? How, what's their work ethic life? Okay, so same thing with someone who's fit. Say your goal this year is you want a six pack abs, okay? Um, hang out with someone who has that. What is their, how do they work out? How often do they go to the gym? What are they eating? What are they staying away from? So if there's someone that you want to be like, if there's something you strive to be, hang out with those people and kind of study what they do. There's a pastor by the name of Andy Stanley. He is a pastor at North Point Church in Georgia. And he always says this. He says, show me your five closest friends and I will show you your future. 
He says, show me your five closest friends and I will show you your future. Actually, it's scientifically proven that you tend to become like the people you hang around. So if you hang around a certain crowd, you tend to become like them, good or bad. So if you hang out with positive people, that's fantastic. That will rub off on you. You will naturally tend to be a positive person. But the same on the flip side. If you hang out with negative people who always have something negative to say, who look on the the glass half empty, that will tend to come out of your life as well. You will tend to be more negative. If you hang out with a group of people that gossip all the time and talk about others, unfortunately, I'm sure you will find yourself in conversations doing the same thing, gossiping, even when you don't intend to. So choose your friends wisely. Choose who you hang out with. Make sure it's a wise decision. Make sure you are surrounding yourself with people who lift you up, who give you life, and who make you better. And make sure that you're doing the same for them. The quality of your life really depends on the quality of your relationships. So... Let's say we wanna be wise here this morning. Let's say we want more wisdom in 2024, which I think we all want. We all want more wisdom. And if we're gonna follow these, these rules here, then let's hang out with somebody who's wise. Let's learn from someone who has a lot of wisdom. And that's what we're gonna do here this morning. We are gonna hang out in the book of Proverbs, which is actually known as the book of wisdom. And it it is written by, it's mostly written by King Solomon. He was the successor to King David. And he actually was known to be the wisest person who ever lived. So if we're going to be wise, if we need to learn some wisdom, let's hang out with one of the wisest. And we're going to hang out in the book of wisdom. So in Proverbs 13, 20, it says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So if we walk with the wise, we will become wise. But if we are around a companion of fools, then we will suffer harm. So we are in this series. If you have been with us the past few weeks, you know that we are in the series called Four. And the whole premise of this series is as a church, we want to be known of what we are for. Because unfortunately, the day and age we we live in, um, people and organizations, and unfortunately, churches sometimes, they're known for what they're against. They're known for what they don't like. They are known for what they hate even. And we want to flip the script and make sure we are a church, we are a people that are known for what we're for. And we are excited and proud and loud for what we are for. So Dave kicked us off kind of explaining what that means. And he says, we are four people. We're four relationships here at Connect. And if you were here last week, we had a guest speaker. His name is Jason, which he's not a guest. He's he's pretty much family here. Um, He spoke about community outside these walls, outside the church. We are four people outside the church who don't go to church, who don't think like us, that don't look like us. We're four people outside here. And he goes on to say what that looks like and and how we can serve them and how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. So today, I'm gonna talk about something we are for here as well. We are for community, but we're for community inside the church. We're here for each other. We are for community inside these walls. And, And King Solomon actually has a lot to say about community. 
He has a lot to say of how important it is and how we need to have biblical people around us. And I've talked about community several times. I've actually been up here a few times and I've talked about community, which is great because it's, it's really important to me. I live this out on a regular basis. My family and I, we live this out. We live life in community. We live life with people. So it means a lot to us. But I wanna kind of take it another step further here this morning because there's a lot of benefits that come with community. I mean, you're gonna find friendships. You're gonna do life together. You're gonna care for each other. And the list goes on and on and on. There's, there's not one bad thing that happens. Well, there are some bad things that happen in community, but there's a lot of great things that happen in community. But I wanna take it a step further. I wanna talk about not just regular community. I wanna talk about authentic community. Authentic community. Where you are all in where you jump in with both feet, when you give your whole self and your true self to the people around you. So um, when I put together a message, I do a lot of homework. I do my due diligence. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just dive down deep today. So I'm like, I'm gonna pull up the Google and I'm gonna find out what is authenticity, okay? So I pull up Google, I'm typing, what is authenticity? And it says, well, it's the quality of being authentic, okay? Awesome. So I dug down deeper for you guys today. I did a lot of hard work and I said, okay, what does it mean to be authentic? And it says to be genuine and to be real. If we wanna live in authentic community with other believers, we must be genuine and we must be real. So we're gonna start being real in community here this morning. Because unfortunately, we live in this day and age where um, we can look around and, and there's not much realness around us. There's not much realness around us. We, we, we have this life of the internet and social media and a lot of us have social media and we can scroll and scroll and we think what it looks like in reality when we're looking in other people's lives is usually like 1% of their life that they're showing. We think it looks great and we think, well, I want their life of the, the house and the vacations and the relationships and whatever that is. But in all reality, that's not real. That's their highlight real. So we don't really know all about what it means to be real. And if we're truly real and authentic with our people around us, with our community, with our groups that we're involved in, I think three things will happen. I think we're gonna grow. I think we're gonna heal. I think we're gonna heal in places that we never realized that, that we needed healing there. And I also think we're gonna find a lot of freedom. So if you look in the book of Proverbs, it, there's basically two paths that you can take, okay? You can take this path, which is the path of isolation, or you can take this path, which is the path of community. Okay, so you gotta choose, okay? So this path of isolation, it's gonna be the easy path, it just is, okay? Like I said, it's cold, it's dark. No one wants to put real pants on and go to a group at night, I get that. It's easy, it's easy to stay inside your home, it's easy to keep to ourselves, it's easy to, to keep our calendar free in case anything else comes up. That's the easy route. Now, the community route, that's the harder route. It's gonna be more difficult. It's gonna be challenging. It's gonna require more of us. There, there's gonna be conflict. There's gonna be um, conversation with people that maybe aren't like you, that don't think like you. 
But at the same time, there's so much goodness in this path of community. Now, the path of isolation, easier. But if you read the book of Proverbs, that that path actually leads to death and, and maybe not physical death, but it does lead to spiritual death and emotional death. And many people think, I'm good. I don't, I don't need community. I'm good. I'm busy with other things in my life. I don't need other people's opinions. I don't need other people knowing truly what's going on in my life. I, I know what I'm doing. I am good. Well, Solomon has something to say about that. He says in Proverbs 14, 12, he says, there is a way that appears right. There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. Gosh, that verse is so good. I wish he said it in there twice. Oh, he does. He says it twice. He says in Proverbs 16, 25, he says the exact same words. He says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. I wonder why he said that twice in the book of Proverbs. It must be important. He goes on to say in 18.1, he says, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. The one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. People don't just ruin their lives when, when they don't know what to do. They actually ruin their lives when they, when they think they know what to do. They, they know what to do, it's just wrong. They don't have wise people around them. They operate in isolation left to our flesh, we think we know better and that we can do better. Now, and I want to make this a point here because this can be confusing. Isolation is different than solitude. Two different things. Solitude is important. Jesus practiced solitude all the time. He was around his people, but he, he practiced solitude. He went away to be alone, to spend time with the Father, to pray with the Father, to, to sit in silence and listen. That's solitude. That is important in your Christian faith. That is not isolation. But the path of community, it is hard. It is difficult. It is very challenging, but that's the path that leads to life. We must be planted in relationships. We must be planted in relationships. So I hope as we, we read through and dig through the book of Proverbs this morning, the book of wisdoms, we leave here with a little more wisdom than how we came in this morning. So let's just say, hypothetically, let's just say we did take the path of community. I think the first thing that we're gonna see happen is growth. We are going to grow. We will see growth happen. You can. You can become a Christian. You can be saved, just you and Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus and you welcome Jesus into your heart and you believe and trust in his death and resurrection, re resurrection you can be saved. But to actually grow in your faith, to actually grow as a follower, you must be planted in relationship with others. That is where spiritual growth happens. Now we can take, the, uh, we can take Paul, um, in the New Testament for granted, or not for granted, for instance, and um, he was a strong Christian. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And you can say, well, he was a strong Christian and half the time he was in prison by himself. But if you actually read the letters that Paul wrote to, to Timothy and his friends and the other churches, he was yearning for people, for relationship. He says, I long to be with you. 
He says, I have a great desire to see you face to face. He wanted the relationship. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So um, I, this is embarrassing to say, but um, I have had the same knife set in my kitchen for like 13 years. It's one of those butcher block knife sets and um, I got it before kids and I've had the same one forever. And I was this years old. I was this years old when I learned that there is a sharpening utensil in the knife set. I'm just gonna out myself, we're all family here. Um, So I asked my husband, I was like, does this thing come in all knife sets? And he's like, typically, yes. And I had him show me how to use it. So he he got a knife out and the sharpener and he's, he's showing me in our kitchen how to use the sharpener. So this also means I've never sharpened my knives in the 12 to 13 years of me having this knife set, I haven't. So let's just say I invite you over to dinner, which I won't because you know me, I don't cook dinner, Uh, but let's just hypothetically say I invited you over and I serve chicken or steak. I'm gonna give you one of those steak knives, okay? And you're gonna use that said steak knife and you're gonna be cutting for a long time because it hasn't been sharpened. Eventually you'll get through that meat, but that knife has never been sharpened. Now, that steak knife is still a steak knife. It doesn't change what it is. However, it becomes less effective because I've never sharpened it. It's, it's dull, it becomes less effective. It, it's less useful for its service. Now, let's say, and I, I, now I know I have this, sharp, this sharpener. I still haven't sharpened my knives. It's not like I sat there and sharpened my knives. They're still dull in my kitchen. But let's say I were to sharpen my knives. They would start to shine, actually because you would start rubbing that that dullness off that knife. So when the iron rubs against the iron, it becomes more useful, it becomes more effective, and it shines a lot more. And this is the same thing it does for us. When we are with each other, we learn from each other. I can't even tell you how many times I have sat in my small group or a Bible study, and we come with our our notes and our thoughts, and and I tell them what I'm thinking and what I got from it. And my friend next to me is like, that's awesome. I actually took this from it, and I learned from that. That is how we learn is from each other. Coming on a Sunday is fantastic. We are so glad that each and every one of you are here. It is fantastic. And and, and this is a biblical thing where we come together as believers and and we live in in this fellowship and we we come together and worship Jesus. But I'm gonna be honest this morning. This is, as far as growth goes, you're not gonna find that here. You're not gonna find that here. You may get little nuggets of gold and some pockets of wisdom, but you're not gonna find spiritual growth here on a Sunday, sitting in rows. And Dave talks about this all the time. He talks about rows versus circles. Spiritual growth happens not on a Sunday morning. Spiritual growth happens around a dinner table, around a fire pit, around um, a, you know, a living room coffee table. That's where spiritual growth happens, not on a Sunday morning. Our relationship with God, is it's personal, but it was never meant to be private. That is how we grow. 
So once you grow, which you will in community, you'll also find a lot of healing. And like I said, you're gonna find healing in places that you didn't even realize needed healing. I heard from um, a very wise woman that actually comes to connect. And um, when I first met her, she told me she has this person in her life that she has given her permission to speak into her life. She said, I've given her permission to, to speak life into me, good or bad. Do you have people around you that you can say, listen, I need you to be honest to me. I I need you to speak life into me. If you feel that something is off, if you feel like I'm off course, I trust you and I give you that permission to tell me. Proverbs 12, one says this, it says, whoever loves discipline, I love this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I love that. That's probably my favorite verse in the Old Testament. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever creates correction is stupid. Solomon didn't sugarcoat that there. He's saying, listen, the wise person, the smart person is the one that says, listen, talk to me. If it's good or bad, tell me, correct me, give me feedback. But the person is saying, I don't want to hear it. I'm fine. I, I don't want to hear what you have to say because it's hard. Yeah, they're just stupid. That's what he says. In Proverbs 27, 6, Solomon goes on to say, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds from a friend when it comes um, out of love, when it comes out of trust, when it comes out of a strong relationship when it comes out of concern. But the kisses of an enemy, those even, they look good, they look nice, but they're deceitful. They have a hidden agenda. Now here's the thing. (laughs) Most healing only comes through this four letter word that everybody hates in the Christian world. And that word's confession. Ooh, that word, that's that's where majority of the healing comes from is confession. And most people, when we say that word, they're like, wait a second, you want me to tell people what I do wrong, what I did wrong, where my shortcomings are? Why would I do that? We're not Catholic here. Why would I confess? And this is a lot of time what we see. We see someone coming to church on a Sunday, someone new, and, and they, they see people they know. We have a cool coffee shop. And they walk in and they love our music. It's upbeat and it's a song they recognize from the radio. And they're like, I like this song. And then Dave comes up with this funny accent, his funny jokes, and they like him, you know? And they're like, he's funny. I like him. I can relate to him. And they leave feeling really good about themselves thinking, I think I got something out of today's message. I'm going to come back tomorrow or next week. They come back. They love the music. Dave's message amazing. They feel like they got something out of it and they think, you know what? I'm actually going to start serving. I'm going to serve somewhere. So they keep coming and maybe they start holding a door or or holding a baby and and they like, okay, I want to take the next step in my faith. I'm going to join a group. So they sign up for Wednesday night groups and they meet some friends and, and they like the people that are there. They're starting to form a relationship. And then all of a sudden we talk about confession and they're like, I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. I wanted some friends and I wanted to get something out of church. I didn't sign up for this. But the brother of Jesus says something different in James 5, 16. He says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
And, and here's the problem. Most of us, we want the healing, but we don't want to do things to get the healing, right? We want the healing, but we don't want to do the work of the, the confessing and the praying and everything else, but they come hand in hand. If we want the healing, we got to be open. We got to be honest, even when it's hard. And then we pray for each other and that's when the healing happens. So our small group, um, I actually heard this from a pastor a couple weeks ago. So I brought it to my small group and I'm like, can we try something? It's gonna kind of take us out of our comfort zone, but we've been together for a while. So I said, can we try this? And I said, um, whenever we get together, can we just take a few minutes and each person take a turn and say three things? The three things are this, it's input, output, and feed the flesh. So let me give you an example of what this looks like. So if we were to get together, we would say, I would say, you know, my input this week is how did I feed my soul? How did I grow in relationship with God? So um, right now, our small group, we are, the girls, we are doing, um, we're reading through the book of Mark together. So that's one thing that is feeding my soul. Me writing a message on a Sunday, that feeds my soul. So that's my input. So for output, how did I feed others? How did I grow others? Did I take someone to coffee? Did I talk with them? Did I pray with somebody? Whatever that is, how did I grow others? And then the last part, which is the hardest part is, how did I feed my flesh this week? How did I feed my flesh this week? What, what, what did I, where did I sin? Where did I fall short? Where did I struggle this week? So this is a silly example, but this is what I would say, that, that honestly, that happened the past couple days is, um, one of my friends has this amazing cookie recipe. And I finally found out the secret recipe and it's a slice and bake at Walmart. So that worked out for me. So I bought the slice and bake and um, I didn't feel as bad because it was like cleaner ingredients and I got the chocolate kind and I, I came home and I'm putting away groceries and I start eating the, the dough. and. It's so good, it's so good. And I keep eating the dough and less, in less than 24 hours, it's gone, okay? I had no self-control at all. My husband came home, he's like, those cookies that you bought the other day, where are they? I'm like, I ate them all, I, they're gone. I just, I ate them all. I had no self-control. That is something how I fed my flesh. It can be small, it can be big. But talk about where you fall short. Talk about where you need help. Talk about where you need prayer from each other. So I'm gonna go through three things um, pretty quickly, but three things that um, you could practically do with your people, with your group, whatever that looks like, when it comes to confession. And I know we love talking about this, right? Um, the first thing is confess early. Confess early. If there's something going on in your life, confess early. Now, too often, we wait too long. Too much has already happened. It's, but here's the thing, better late than never, but if you can, confess early. As soon as you're thinking about it, let's say you have a, a hard day at work and you're driving home and um, you, you're thinking about you know, doing something or going somewhere or, or calling somebody that you know you shouldn't or whatever that looks like, confess early, text your spouse, text your, your friends, your people and say, this is what's going on. I need you to, to pray for me. I need you to hold me accountable and I need you to ask me about this later. Confess early. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. I love Solomon. He does not sugarcoat anything. This is what he says. He says, if you're gonna conceal your sins, you will not prosper. But the one who confesses, the one who renounces, they will find mercy. So confess before it's a real problem. Widen your circle. 
before it becomes an issue. The second thing is confess often. Don't come in and say, you know what? I confessed two months ago. I think I'm good for a while. Maybe in about six months, I'll reach back out to you and give you another one. Just confess often. Keep that line of communication open. Make this a regular practice. Where you're struggling, where you're falling short. And the last thing is confess in detail. Talk about that last 2% that you normally would not tell anybody. Because this is how people can help you. This is how people know how to help you, is if you're telling everything. So what do you do when someone is in your circle and they tell you something that's a big deal or um, you know, they were very brave to tell you? Because these next few moments, these next few seconds, this will kind of de- determine how they will move forward. Thank them for being honest with you. Ask them if you can pray. Thank you for, say thank you for sharing. Be gentle with them. Be a good partner in community because our job is to show others how grateful they are with their honesty. And sometimes we talk about sharing your story with other people. Share your story. Be honest. Open up. When, when there's a new small group that forms, I always say, you know, take a few minutes 10, 15, whatever, and and share your story, how you grew up, what is your childhood like, whatever that is, be open. And a lot of people think, I don't think they can handle my story, or I don't think I can tell them my whole story. I say, try it. Because here's a lot of times what happens. We share our story, we open up. And a lot of times it comes with someone saying, me too. Me too. I'm so glad you said that. I've been hanging on to something similar. Thank you for sharing. I'm struggling with the same thing. Me too. Too often we, we hide our stuff. And when, when we do, it breaks fellowship with each other. It breaks trust with each other. But more importantly, it also breaks fellowship with God. We feel locked in a prison. And, and I, I'm asking you, don't be too prideful to widen your circle here. Let others in so you can find and experience freedom because that is what will happen. When you grow and you start to shed things to light and share and be honest and confess, whatever that is, you will find freedom. When strongholds are broken, when, when chains are broken, when walls are broken down, when things are coming to light, this is where freedom happens. This is where you can live the life that God has for you, that abundant life where you're no longer controlled by sin, you're, you're no longer weighed down from the guilt and the shame that you've been holding on for so long. And you can live a life in the, in the fruit of the spirit. You hear us talk about all the time. The fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds like a good life to live in those because God has a plan for you. So does the enemy though. In John 10, 10, he says this, the thief... His plan, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has a plan where where you can live life and live life to its full. Another translation of living life to its full, in other translations, it'll say you can live an abundant life. You can live a life that is rich and satisfying. That's the life that I want to live. Because the opposite of that, if if we stay in our sin, Our life would look like a life that's lacking, a life of emptiness, a life of dissatisfaction. And the enemy, that's where he wants to keep us. He wants us to take this path, the path of isolation, because that's where he does his best work. 
because you're not a threat to him on this path. The enemy knows that when you are still locked up with your chains and everything off, or when you are still in his chains, that's where he has you. When you actually find freedom, that's when you're a threat to him. And that's when you go to do big things in the kingdom of God. I have a friend that um, she knows me so well. She uh, knows that whenever I'm struggling mentally with something or I'm having a hard time with something, I naturally am known to recluse. I am naturally known to kind of take a step back and, and keep to myself. And which again, this is, this is you know, feeding my soul because this is stuff I need to work on. And she knows and she'll text me and she'll call me and be like, hey, I know you're struggling with something. I want you to know I'm praying for you. She'll send me scripture to read. She'll give me advice like, hey, just go take a walk, get some sun on your face. She'll ask if I wanna go to coffee, but she knows. She knows when I'm quiet that something is up. Do you have friends in your community that will pull you out of your ruts, that will pray for you, that will listen to you, that will hold space for you, and that will push you closer to Jesus? Just like the song this morning, do you have people in your life that would tear off the roof for you? I want you to take a second and think about that this morning. Do you have people in your life that would tear off the roof for you? I wanna read that passage real quick in in Mark 2 that Brant was talking about this morning. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. These four friends, they had a a friend that could not move. He was paralyzed on the mat and they said, we gotta do whatever it takes to get him to the feet of Jesus. They couldn't get him to um, inside because there's so many people. So they thought outside the box and they said, let's take him up to the roof. We'll dig a hole in the roof and we're gonna let him down. He had courageous friends who would do anything and everything to get this man to be healed and to find freedom. Just like the song said this morning, if we can just get people to touch the hem of Jesus's garment, that hem has more power than the camp of the enemy. Do we have people in our lives that are pushing us towards Jesus? So I'm asking, and I'm gonna challenge you here this morning to be courageous in community. And maybe that is taking a step and joining a group. Yes, I'm, I'm gonna plug groups in here because that's my thing, right? And they start this week. And maybe that's going to the website or the welcome desk and you're like, I'm gonna do something I've never done before because I want that freedom that was talked about on Sunday. So maybe you're joining a group or, or you have someone that you've seen or you talk to and, and get courageous and go ask them for coffee. Whatever it takes, be courageous in community and get in community. When you say yes, be so real, be so authentic because when you let your walls down, you will grow you will heal and you will find freedom because that is what we're for here at Connect. We're for people, we're for community, we're for believers helping other people get to Jesus, who help other people get to Jesus, who then help other people get to Jesus. That is what we're for here at Connect. And it's hard and you're gonna take a risk, but you're gonna find so much 
freedom. And I'm sure people are sitting here thinking today, okay, I love the realness talk. I love the authenticity talk, whatever that is. But I don't think you want me to bring my dirty laundry to that group. I don't think you want me to bring my real self, my dirty laundry to that group, to to church on Sunday. Here's the thing I want you to think about. Here is the thing. If we can't do that, if we can't bring our mess, our realness to a group, to the body of the Christ, to church, who else can we take it to? Where else are we supposed to take it? We have to take it to the feet of Jesus. We have to live in community. But we gotta be honest. We gotta be real. We gotta be authentic. And we gotta take that step of just saying, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I want that freedom. I'm gonna say yes to this. I'm gonna join this. Whatever it takes to get to the feet of Jesus and helping others along the way, that is what we're for here at Connect. So that's my challenge here for you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much just for pushing us into relationship because that is what you know you designed us for. You designed us to be planted with other people where we can grow closer to them, but then in turn grow closer to you because you want us close to you and you want relationship with us. And I pray that every person here um, you speak to and, and shed things to light of what is keeping them from other people? What is keeping them from Jesus? And I pray that you break chains. I pray that you break strongholds, but you also give courage. Courage to those who just need to be honest and, and, and break free from things that have been holding them down for so long. Lord, I just pray that you wrap community and you wrap people around every individual here because that is what we need. We love you so much. We pray this for your name. Amen.